All right, folks, guess what? Here I am again. It's Pops, and I'm coming to you with a powwow with Pops. Um, I'm in Brooklyn again, oddly enough. Uh, as I had an interview earlier today uh, and last night, I've uh, talking to all our old friends, uh, come to find out, you know, probably about 200 plus Gainesvillians probably live in, in New York that have, you know, made their way up here, and uh, I think that has given me a big opportunity to uh, uh, go around and uh, find my old friends and family and uh, uh, check on them, see how they're doing. Uh, it's been a great time doing it. I, this is one of the greatest things I've ever done. I'm glad I got a chance to do it, and uh, tonight I have... Uh, someone I ever really probably talked to since 2002, I would imagine. Probably uh, is an ex-bandmate of mine uh, in a band called Someday Soon. Um, you can get it on Amazon. It's an amazing record. Uh, it's good. For, your kids will love it. Uh, <laughs> and we get no proceeds. And uh, but yeah, and uh, he moved up here in 2002. Uh, busted his ass for many, many years following an art that he loves, uh, and that art would be tattooing. Uh, and after all these years, he's uh, finally got to a point to where he was able to open his own shop in Brooklyn. Uh, and I would like to introduce you to him this evening, and that man would be Andy Perez. Hey. Andy, what's up, man? Hey, How you doing? Good. It's been a long time. It's been a really long time. Fuck, fuck long time. Yeah. I mean, like, great, like, when we last saw each other, no one had gray hair. Long time. Yeah, I think I still... <laughs> you might have started, yeah, right? A little bit? It's like 18, I think I started going gray. Yeah, no shit. So, um, this is how I usually like to start this. Um, uh, I knew you were from Orlando. Is yep. that where you're originally from? Yep. Okay, so you were born... Um, why, uh, were your parents also originally from Orlando? No, uh, I'm first generation American. My mom was born in Frankfurt, Germany, and my dad was born in Havana. Okay, so um, why did why did they choose Orlando? Do you know? Well, my dad like kind of got you know dropped there when he came over. He came over by himself in uh, in the revolution in the early '60s, and uh, I think it was early '60s, like uh, yeah, early '60s, yeah. I think. So, yeah, they were dropped off in Miami, and then, like, there was social programs that relocated everybody, and they relocated um, my dad, my grandma, my uncle, uh, my grandma's extended family to uh, Orlando. My mom, her dad, who I never really met, was, like, a, uh, an army dude. And uh, so I don't know exactly how they landed, but they were actually in Pasco County and, okay. like, in uh, Newport Ritchie. But my mom ended up moving to Orlando, um, she worked in the music business doing concert promotion for years, and that's how she met my dad. My dad was oh, wow. a touring musician. And okay. Like, yeah, so. So I'm guessing that's where the music part of your yeah, life definitely. came from. Yeah, sure. I was always around. My dad, uh, early in my life, my dad was around, but not a whole lot because he was always on tour. You right. know, like, so I'd see him when he would come and visit, or like, you know, he'd be home, and then he'd be out on the road for a few months, and then he'd come back. And, right. You know, so. But, uh, what type of what type of music? What, what was he doing? What was he was his, a drummer uh, in this band, the Bellamy Brothers. They did that song "Let Your Love Flow" that okay. still gets played yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. This basically country music that sounded kind of like Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> right, right, right. Very Florida. Yeah, yeah, very Florida. That's funny. Um, so, were your were your parents? 
at, while you were growing up, especially with your father being that, were your were your parents very um, were they were they very uh, supportive of you when it came to the arts? Yeah, definitely. Um, my dad and my mom split up when I was like younger, but uh, and for a while with my dad briefly. But um, my dad uh, had a different wife for a little while when I was younger, and then he married uh, later on, like. I think probably, I think I just, after I graduated high school, he married another woman that was like, uh, she was a musician, she's fantastic, she's in Orlando now, her name's Beth McKee, and she like, they still play together, they play together and they tour together all the time. Oh wow, um, so your dad's still doing it to this day. To this day. So maybe, wait, so like, he's been doing music probably 40 plus years? Yep, and like, you know, That's they're like Fugazi style, they get into a fucking van, the two of them, and like no some shit. friends, and they go tour the whole country all the time. That's amazing. So yeah. She's doing a lot of cool stuff in, in Orlando right now, too. She's doing a lot of uh, things with women songwriting workshops and stuff. And that's really, really cool. Um, she's, she's incredible. And, like, my mom was always super, super supportive. I mean, my mom, like, busted her ass, like, just basically taking care of me and my, my brother earlier on and mostly me, you know, throughout high school and stuff. But was always, like... I remember she let me skip school to go see Jawbreaker in Gainesville the first time I ever went. Okay. She let me, like, you know... I mean, other people's parents would never, like, my mom was like, okay, cool, you have a great opportunity. When I was in, like, grade before my eyes and drag body and stuff, she, I mean, when I was in grade before my eyes, I think I just turned 18, and she was, oh, and everybody else in the band was in their 20s, and she <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah. she was like, no, you have a chance to go do something, go do it, and she let me, like, you know, just get in a van with a bunch of dudes and go, like, at 7 to 18 years, freshly 18, and just go tour the country, you know, so. Yeah, looking back at that now, what, do you, would do you find that at, like? Do you find that like? Was that weird to you almost like her being that them being that supportive? No, I mean my mom was never not supportive. Okay. You know, like she was always super cool. Right. I thought it'd be weird if you know to me if it was because I mean you know not seeing like you know especially in Orlando like it was really tiny. You know, it was like yeah. I get I know some people that were still in that scene. You know, like but it was it was a it was very few bands. Very few, like, you know, it's like D-Nature, Spanky lives up here, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the guys who are in Drag Body and Grateful Eyes, and, uh, you know, a handful of other, it's not what it is now, you know, there's a lot more bands there, but everybody's just trying to get out anytime yeah. they could, you know, nobody wanted to fucking be there, so right, it's just right. like, you know, you found your escapes where you could skateboarding or painting or playing music, yeah. and like, you know, uh, that's how I became friends with Mike Taylor, and, you know, Chad Chesco was, yeah. you know, tattooing then, and so Scott from Drag Body, and that's kind of, like, what got me into tattooing okay, early so on. Okay, so that, that got Skateboarding your... in dance is, like, okay. what got me into tattooing. So, totally. so you said, um, I'm going to ask you something about your high school. What was uh, high school like, like, in Orlando? Were you, uh, um, what was it like for you? Yeah, I mean, like, was, was high school life like for you? Fucking sucked. Uh... Uh, in the beginning, it sucked. Later on, it became cool because, like, you know, I started getting out to shows and, like, right. for me, it was, like, I was usually skating by myself or with, like, two or three friends and then, like, you know, digging through catalogs, finding records and, like, buying records and not really knowing anybody and then, you know, seeing a few local bands and going out to shows and then starting to meet people that were, like, in an actual punk scene around there that were playing in, yeah. in their own bands and stuff was, like, kind of transformative for me. I, like, I met... Uh, I met uh, Mike Taylor on a on a school field trip. He was on a field trip from Winter Haven, and uh, he lives up here now too. Oh, wow. and, like, yeah, we're we still keep in touch. He's doing amazing paintings now. Um, yeah, but we met, and then we started writing and trading zines. He had the Rogue that Darren Kachera used to write, yeah. and then he was doing it. 
and uh, we traded zines, and I used to, and that's when I, you know, I kind of discovered the whole no idea thing, and I fell in love with the idea of Gainesville, because I'd totally. never been until that Jawbreaker show, but I, like, uh, I would send my zines in for review, and John Resch would review my zines and no idea and that's stuff, and it was cool. pretty fucking cool, you know, for a yeah. little-ass kid who was, like, you know, and then, you know, that's what, like, I would write letters all the time. I would write letters to the guys at Jawbox, and they would write me back every week. I would really? write letters to the guys in Sam I Am. They would write me back all the time. And now fucking Chad is in Sam I Am, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, right? My brother ended up managing Sam I Am for and a number of years. And even George fucking played some drums for them yeah. for that little bit that to- uh, last year for a little bit. And That's that was, funny. like, that was a thing. Like, I would, you know, my <coughs> zine, I would, I would write to Fugazi, and, like, they would write me back, you yeah. know? And, like, I would do interviews and cut and paste everything. That's what made... It kind of like made my world, you know, there's no internet then, so it was like, it made my world a little bit bigger and smaller at the same time. Like, these were real people that I could talk to. It wasn't like fucking rock star shit. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, Jay Robbins would write me a letter. You know, Bill Barbo would write me a letter when he was on tour. He sent me a postcard from a tour they were on with Stone Temple Pilots. Like, hey, how you doing? And Good now, to get your and letter. That, you know, and like, now our version of that would be a Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, like, you know, you, something hey, dude, way less personal. Show last night. Yeah. He was like, oh, Twitter, everyone. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. Way less I mean, it's neat that, that, uh, because you're probably one of the first people I've ever heard to do that, actually, yeah. out of everybody that I've talked to about music. And I, and it's funny, because when I was younger, I never, I was always so interested in yeah. that, you know, trying to learn the story. But yeah. I, I didn't think, like, just to write a letter would Yeah, be I mean, back then, a, everybody had, like, a fucking address on the back of their record, you know, especially the Discord bands, you know, everybody yeah. was super cool and, like... I, I don't think I ever wrote to anybody who didn't write me back, you know? That's and it was crazy. it was really rad and like you know, and then those relationships and those times like persist. I mean I just spent two nights seeing Texas and the Reason and hanging yeah. out with like Scott and Chris after the show and like talking about, you know, that are show they looking, that, are they looking old? Are they no. looking good? I mean it's like, you know, living in New York, there's something here. I mean, well you too. I, I think it's Gainesville in general. I think it's just our lifestyles keep us. I don't know pretty what the, I, don't I mean know I don't what look, happened. I don't here. look that young anymore, but I, I feel used to young. Look, way older when I was younger that's the fucked up I don't know I, I don't know what happened I, yeah I mean the guys in Texas like <laughs> Norm still looks like a brown Ken doll he's no like shit. the most handsome man on earth right, right. other guys like you know there's everybody looks the same and like you know we're talking about shows at like the Stampede in Melbourne that yeah. like you know Great Four Miles open for them and into yeah, another yep. somebody or whatever you know Shift or fucking I don't oh, know Sensefield and we're, we're talking about that because they're going to play those shows John Bunch just passed away and they're I know I did a show. podcast about that. Yeah, really, really. That I, was I played, a heartbreaker, uh, man. I think I played all of Killed for Less during my podcast. That was a big. That was a big record for me. Right, yeah. that killed me, dude. That was yeah. that. Seriously, when I saw that, I was, uh, I, I did cry. I yeah. mean, like honestly, because I mean, that's that's one thing. I mean, it's probably getting old too. You become a little bit more sensitive to things, and. Yeah. and and the uh, empathy and the sympathy tend to grow inside of you, and you, and the one, the, the connection to the things that yeah. you uh, thought you had as a kid. They seem Especially to be when those connections were really special, you know, like, you know, like, like Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. Again, you know, good guys. That, like, Clarity, like how, when, like, like when we played together, like yeah. that album was played nonstop. Like yeah. we always listened to that fucking album. And like, those things like, become a thing. They're touchstones where you keep going back to them throughout your life. You yeah. Know, like a friend of mine passed away a few years ago, and like we were drove to her funeral, and it was James was with us, and it was like, you know, it was this car of like six people, and you know we we're on this drive, and it was timed almost perfectly, like. Somebody handed me the iPod to put something on, and I put on that record, and from the first few notes, like, everybody in the car just started singing along. We sang oh, the yeah. entire record in tears on the way to this funeral, you know? Amazing. It's just, like, things that just, like, 
come along and just like they come back to you. Yeah. You know, you don't get that anymore. You know, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't anymore. Maybe it's just a. I don't know if it's a thing with getting older or if it's a thing with like you know. I, or if it's just a quality thing, like nothing touches you like that stuff did. You know, I think there's definitely I a get, difference between totally music now. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know which one of those factors yeah. it is. But you know, you can't replace those things, and they don't they don't come anew. You know, very often. No, they don't. They, they're like, because it's funny. Like now, I'll like if I'm around younger folks, like I do shit like that. Like I'll fucking I won't say anything, and I'll yeah. like I'll my fucking phone out at a bar if it's quiet or something, and I'll just throw on Killed for Less. Mm. And just let it play for a few seconds, and like seriously, people will be like, "Dude, what the fuck is that?" Yeah. Like, because I love playing that old shit because people are like, they hear it. There's something familiar to them. Yeah. Because all that shit created Influenced. everything. Yeah, that these yeah. Assholes, listen. That's, sorry, I didn't mean that. That's ageist and that's fucked up. <laughs> but uh, but you know, the kids nowadays, I think they don't realize the. Uh, the importance of the music that we had that connection to in that time period and how much it really had an effect on the past like 25 years of sure. music. I mean, some in of those, such a strong way. Some of those bands are still going. I mean, Jimmy World's still doing I know. records, you know, still, I know. still hammering out. And it's crazy. I mean, it's a, and that, same with Hot Water. I mean, yeah. they're still fucking touring. I mean, Chuck's coming sometime soon, or maybe I just missed him. I don't know, but he really? was supposed to be here solo. I was going to go try to catch up with him at Rough Trade. That shit's fucking doing great, man. Yeah. He's doing that shit. He's a, he's a fishing guide up where he lives out in Cali. Big, big time. Ding dong, like no kidding, yeah. right? And, you know, he's got his own beard cream. Yeah. Like, so. official beard. That's cool as shit. Like, I, I mean, I wish I had, like, official masturbating cream. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Pop's official tour masturbation cream. With your own sock. No, I'm joking. But, uh... <laughs> Origami Fifi instructions. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So, when you moved to Gainesville, I'm, I'm guessing that that Jawbreaker show might have had something to do with you moving to Gainesville. It was that and just everything that VAR was doing, you know? I have a, like, I have one of the early tattoos I put on myself when I was learning. I, I, I put a no idea stress face on my leg. Oh, did you really? Like, okay. Because that place meant so much to me, you know? It's like, I like, I still like, God, I could, if I thought about it for a second, I could still tell you the P.O. box number. That's that ingrained, you know? I used yeah. to write with him all the time and he would write me and like, you know, I would buy records from him constantly. Any ad, that, anything that they put out, I would buy. Anything that they was like, you know, because back then it was like you could trust the label to put out something good, right? You know, like, no, totally. So you'd buy new things and like, you know, I would just like, and then later on I got a job at a record store and I was just constantly that was my first real job yeah. and I was just buying stuff all the time and like checking stuff out and then like, you know, Gainesville just always spoke to me. Hot Water and I, like Chuck and I had like a real connection like early on. Like he kind of like his friendship, like he was really inspiring to me and like ended up like you know I ended up getting. Uh, into college, and that was a big deal for me. I remember I left my, I called him up and left my acceptance. Uh, like when the college accepted me, I left it yeah. on his answering machine, awesome. <laughs> and like he was like super pumped. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but uh, yeah, so you know, I I got out and like you know I moved to Baltimore for a couple of years. It didn't really go as planned because uh, colleges hate people without any money. So uh, yeah, I wasn't able to really finish because there wasn't there just wasn't the money, you know, and. Uh, but I got out of it what I feel like I needed to. I made some great friendships, and all those people still, they live here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some moved to L.A., but, like, I, I made some of my best friends, and, like, we all still keep in touch, and I have those relationships, and that was, you yeah. know, that was invaluable. And, like, you know, living in Baltimore was cool. You know, it was terrifying, because it was the 90s, and it was a fucking shithole, and yeah. it was super scary, but, you know, 
and then when I had to leave, I ended up, you know, me and my best friend Mike, we like packed up and we just got a U-Haul and we just drove to Gainesville. We had no, we stayed with James, like on, I stayed on his floor. I had a girlfriend at the time. We broke up almost immediately after getting there, but yeah. uh, she moved back to New York. She was that, like, fuck this. Gainesville will do that to you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then like, you know, those years were, you know, living in the big house with James and all those yeah. guys at the pirate house. It was like, still there. I know. Uh, the guys so in Abercrombie lived in there for a while. I drive, it, I drive by it every day, probably when I go to the gym, like, because I take the back road. I, yeah. I drive by that house and I just look at the the, the side patio. Yeah. Where we, like, Andy, you ready for practice? And we used to go to, well, we used to go to um, Wednesdays or whatever. We'd go to UC and then everybody would come back at fucking, 2 in the morning yep. and we'd have barbecues at Long our, Island Ice Tea yeah. night at fucking UC. And then barbecues at 2 a.m. in my yard. What was, what would you say, probably not to make you think too hard, but one, one of your probably more fun nights maybe at a show or a party that you had in Gainesville, like something that really stuck out to you that, like even today, you're like, man, that night yeah, really... I'm really sure the really fun impact. ones I don't even remember. Um, maybe something that had an impact on you. So you many know? good shows, man. Uh, the download, I saw Botch there one night and, and Party of Helicopters. That was fucking awesome. Um, Botch was insane. Okay, what? kids, that means you should be taking notes now. Anytime an elder starts naming songs, grab a pencil or your iPad and take notes. Or Spotify. Or Spotify. Yeah, um, shit. <laughs> Shit, what other, what other shows? Um, man, uh, the house that PJ lived in, there was there was some cool shows. Oh, you know what? There was a one time uh, I wasn't living there yet, but Great Before My Eyes played at Utility House okay, with so uh, Army of Ponch. Good place for I think. a good show. Or, no, um, Army, it wasn't Army of Ponch. That was later. I saw that. We were fucking awesome. And then um, still are. But uh, oh, this is a big one for me. Was. Uh, all before I lived there, pretty much, because I think once I lived there, I was drinking a lot, and I don't remember a lot. But uh, uh, when I was in Great for my eyes, when I was in high school, or just out of high school, yeah. I think I was still in high school, we played at, um, <laughs> we played with Gus at uh, Oh, Hardback. wow, okay. That's and I remember, one. and I was like, I idolized Gus, and like, I didn't yeah, really, yeah. you know, I had met Drew, and Drew was super cool, and now he's one of my good friends, but like, back then, I was like starstruck by Drew, you know, by fucking, I was like, holy shit. And I remember Drew broke a string on his on his fucking Telecaster, and I lent him my guitar. So I was just like blown away that Gus was playing his set. Yeah, he yeah. was playing on my guitar. It was like this thing, you know. I still have a photo from that show somewhere. And uh, and then I also, when I was in college, I had come down for um, summer, and that was when uh, I was at the show. You can still you can actually hear me singing on on one of those songs <laughs> on uh, on the Live at the Hardback yeah, record, yeah. like. Um, I was at that show, and that was like you know that was a fucking that was a moment in time, you know. Yeah, no one no one realizes the night, uh, and I don't know if I've ever explained the last night of, of that live at the Hardback. Like that show was, uh, uh, it was sm- supposedly supposed to be Hot Water Music's last show. Uh, they, had, of course, back then had terrible sound, so they got. Uh, ass suck face from Tampa to come up and set up the sound. Like Hank Shaw that. opened it. Yeah, yeah Hank Shaw opened it. And uh, they got great sound out of it. Uh, it was probably one of the funnest nights I probably had in Gainesville. Like it was, it was, it was, it was, it was like it was ridiculous. It was, it was a room, probably maybe seven, eight hundred square foot room. If that, not including the bathrooms in the bar area. 
And there was probably about 2,000 square feet worth of fucking people in that motherfucker. Yep. Easily. Like sh- steam oh, coming steam. off of everything. Yeah. What a great night, though. You're right, yeah. man. That was a fucking... That's a, that's a memorable one. Kids, live at the hardback, hot water music. You'll hear it. You'll, you'll hear a lot of voices in that one, I'm sure. Yep. That speaking was a great of uh, show. speaking of Asuk, I was just uh, I ran into uh, the other night. I ran into Jason Hammaker from uh, Frodus and uh, Mancake and and uh, Anthem '88. I think really? it was Anthem '88. Uh, yeah, and he was he was in town. He's doing this amazing like archival project of like ancient cultures called Lost uh, Lost Origin. And uh, he was in town for the Texas show. And he, well, he wasn't in town for the Texas show. He's in town because they're having a gallery show of like yeah. some of his stuff on the west side and we ended up catching up over like you know that tour that drag body did with that suck and dillinger escape yeah. land like and uh and uh sure we played with man cake in dc which was amazing <laughs> that was wild wild night what do you what, what how how what what were tours like for you what did you get out of that tour i got out you know i got out of like i got out and got some kind of like culture you didn't yeah. get that in a fucking strip mall land of like you know florida where it's like you know yeah so flat you can watch your dog run away for three days and there's nothing but fucking strip malls and like <laughs> fucking uh you know so i got to see other places you know i remember seeing snow for the first time when we drove up to canada and we're sitting in a parking lot in like hamilton ontario and it started fucking snowing and i was like 18 and i'd never fucking seen snow before and it was like holy shit yeah. cool i'm in a snowstorm you know and like you know just little shit like that i remember from being on tour uh you know, uh, friendships, too, that I've made over the years that just, like, you know, people that booked those shows ended up getting jobs in the music industry, which was kind of pivotal for me when I first moved up here. And, like, you know, people just, like, all those people are still around, you know, like, in my life somehow, you know, like, paths cross, you know, the internet made the world a lot smaller, so you still catch up with people through that, but, like, you know, surprisingly enough, not even, like, you know, just your lives, like, the circles that we run in get increasingly smaller because, like, there's there's a certain type of person in this world, and I think you and I are kind of those people, and, like, yeah, those no, people, you. you know, there's a network, you know, we, yeah. like, I mean, fuck, I was, I was in lower Manhattan, like, going to get some camera equipment or something, and I was, like, crossing the street uh, over by Adorama, and I'm in the middle of this intersection on, like, 7th Avenue and, like, 18th Street, and, uh... I hear this voice in the middle of the intersection, like, Andy? And I was like, oh, shit. And I turned around. It was fucking Juan Montoya. And we were just crossing in the street, and we went over yeah, and, like, yeah. stopped and talked for a while. He was just in town, and we just, like, you know, we just, you just end up seeing people throughout your life, you know? Like, they just, it's it's really beautiful, I think. It's, like, a, a real blessing. That, like, all these people, they just, they don't go away. And it's really yeah. nice, you know? It's, like, nobody goes away, you know? You know, and that's, and that's, that's, I'm glad you made that point, because there's something that I try to every once in a while, uh, kind of bring back up on this about, like, say, um, I'm just going to call it <laughs> the punk scene. You know, that could encompass a lot of stuff. But, you know, growing up, I always uh, was always told friends weren't always going to be there for you. Like, they, that's how my family thought, you know? And they were really very negative about friends. Always thought, you know, friends would always shit on you. <laughs> You'd never be able to count on them. You know, even at your worst times. Were they just and, listening to a lot of, like, youth crew hardcore? Were they stabbed in the back? Is that what I, I don't know what they were like. Christian Coalition, <laughs> Pat Robinson, I think. Your only friend is Jesus. But, um, but they, were, they were definitely, you know, like, people that were probably more 
more socially inept, like they were want to stay at home and they weren't very social as humans. And I think that had a lot to do with it. And when I moved to Gainesville, and after being there for so long, and after what you said, it's almost that it's it's that I've stayed in Gainesville because of that reason. Mm -hmm. And I think no matter probably if I would have come to New York or anywhere else where I would have had a a family like that, it I would have made it, you know. Yeah. And I didn't make it through my hard times because of my parents, because I asked for help. Yeah. They never helped me. It was always my friends that fucking got me through those things yeah. and those connections, like you say. I that would have never made it through my first four <coughs> years in New York, you know? It's like a miracle that I actually right? fucking survived. I mean, it's. I mean, when I moved to Gainesville, I was 23, and technically I was like 12. Yeah. You know, like Sarasota has a way of. I feel the same way about Florida in general. Yeah, just like moving really... to New York, I was like, I was still like 18 and I was 24 when I moved up here. And it yeah. was just like, I was a different, you know, it was, I was really still a little naive. I think like being in Florida, like, you know, I was a little sheltered sort of in a way. Yeah. I don't know. But um, shook, that shook right out of it me. It does. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no shit, right? I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely, it definitely does have that effect. You, uh... I'm not gonna dig on Gainesville too much because I mean I remember you said you drank a lot. You you were a friend of the brown liquor. Uh-huh. Anything, you know? anything, anything that would hold still anything, long anything, enough, anything, I drank it. Or hold or stay down. Yeah. Um, I think I was uh, my friend Matt's uh, grandfather, as he said, if you can't drink it or fuck it, pee on it. Pee on it. Right. That was pretty much my mantra in Gainesville. Okay. That works. I think that was a, uh, quite a few people's mantras, <laughs> it seems, over the years. Maybe even mine. Maybe a little twist on it though. Maybe shit on him. I don't know. But, um, that's funny. Besides, I, I know uh, living in the house with James and all those guys. Yeah. And all those musicians. And Alex, who put on the Gainesville Fest. Yeah. And Kyle from Blur Red Roses. He's also a tattooer. I know you played tattooer. with us with Someday Soon forever long. But, yeah. Um, did you guys, like, when you guys were in there, did you guys ever play together at the house and do shit and write stuff? And, like... We didn't really write stuff. I mean, we would, like, there was always people cruising through. I remember, like, fucking, there was always somebody on the fucking floor, and I didn't know who they were. You know, it's yeah. like, it was like, it was like that opening scene in Caddyshack. Like, who is this? It's your yeah. nephew. Oh. Like, I remember, like, uh, Chris Common, uh, the, the producer, he's the drummer in These Arms Are Snakes. Yeah. Uh, he, him and Alex from uh, Mouth of the Architect, they, like, one day they just ended up at my house and they lived there for like four months. Wow. Okay. And they just lived on my couch. And it was, I mean, it was so loose. You know, the rent was so cheap. Nobody cared. They would buy groceries or whatever. Yeah, and they yeah. just lived there. One day there was a kid sleeping under my pool table. It was fucking Adam Lazar from Taking Back Sunday. And he like oh, lived wow. at my house for a few weeks. You know, it's like, it was just like people just would show up and like, you know, there's always instruments around and we would always be sitting around. We'd, we'd dick around and play together, but we wouldn't like, you know, we weren't like trying to start a band or anything, yeah, yeah. you know, like. People were just like, fuck, I remember one day I was like sleeping and Steve Looker just walked into my room, turned on my amplifier and started playing the entire Snapcase Looking Glass Golf oh, album, wow. serenading me in my bed. I was like, That's Looker, I'm trying to fucking sleep, dude. That'd be a good, that would have been a good one to have on video. Yeah. Fucking that guy. I love, I love him. He was a great, he was like my only real friend when I first moved there because everybody was on tour that I knew. I didn't know anybody. Right. And Looker would take me to the mall and he'd sit in a food court and make fun of people and he was so good at making fun of people and <laughs> yes. just make me laugh so hard. Yeah, yeah. Good. But, yes. uh, yeah, I mean, we, there was always stuff around, but, you know, we are always making music. You know, everybody was always in a band, so it was, like, kind of a foregone thing that was just, like, 
you just you just play music. You know, everybody's always playing music. You know, but you know, even if nothing came out of it, like it was something you just did. Like, how did you enjoy playing in Subway Soup? I loved it. I thought that was some of the most natural. Um, past that one point, you know, this is the point where we were when I joined the band. We we're kind of like I was learning all these songs that you guys had had other members and all that stuff. And I think there was one day I was just like, hey, you know what? Now this band's four of us. Let's like write music. Yeah. It's the four of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, man, there was some really magical things where we would come in hung over as shit. I remember like me and Tom would be puking in the fucking parking lot yep. of the fucking uh, warehouse. Yeah, and then like, you know, smoke some weed and then just like fucking, you know, you'd start playing a bass line and we would, we would play for an hour. You know, yeah. like, and we wouldn't stop and like you know, we just go part to part. I guarantee Tom still has probably almost all that shit recorded somewhere. I mean, we just pulled parts out of that yeah. stuff in it, but it was so natural. You yeah. know, I don't think, I really don't think I've had that kind of musical connection since. Then. Really? Know? Yeah, I think that that was a really special thing. I really, I really enjoyed that time with you and Tom and Brad. You know, it's really, really cool. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I mean, I, I would have to say I was probably from from. As I'm getting older and people are, are braver enough to tell me, I was kind of an asshole back then. And I, I, I never thought so. No? Nah. Thank you. Well, I thought, you know, you're a little bit of a tough guy back then, but you weren't no, an asshole. Oh, I'm not a tough guy. I was, that was the beer talking. I just wanted a hug. That's all I wanted. I didn't, I didn't get no love from my parents. I just wanted people to like me when they didn't. I just wanted a smack, you know, like that kind of stupid shit. That's so funny. That shit still goes today, like, like... It's amazing what happens when 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 you're younger and you do things and then it kind of builds your personal legend a little bit. And like now it's like I'll walk around Gainesville and people will be like, you know, like, hey, I'm Pops or whatever, new people, and they're like, oh, I heard about you, and then they'd start telling you shit and be like, yeah, you're not supposed to fuck with you, you know, like weird shit like that. And I'm like, that's not, that's not, that's not who I am. Anymore. Anymore. I know. I mean, I'm sure it's like that's the same thing with, I mean, one of my best friends, Scott Spordown, tell Scott, you know, he lives up here. He stopped. Oh, I'm no surprised shit. he wasn't at the shop. He stops by every Friday and just chills out. He's a he's a chemist. Uh, he makes, like, uh, flavorings for, like, uh, for... Um, Fucking Griswold, dude. Yeah, yeah. He make, he, that's exactly what he does. He, nice. he, like, he makes, like, uh, energy drinks and, like, protein shakes and stuff like that <laughs> at, at, a, at, a, like, at a lab in, in New Jersey, and he lives around the corner. No but, kidding, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, between me and him, all of our bad behavior fucking turned into the stuff of legend. Yeah. Of course, you know, like, we were terrible, terrible people back then. I know, right? Me and Tom Todd were talking about some stuff, and it's just, I mean, me and myself, I mean, another reason why I started this, too, is was kind of a selfish reason. You know, it's like, um, you know, we were all drinking a lot, and so, like, there were a lot of times where I thought that I missed connections with the people that I, I cared about. Uh, and, and getting older, I've noticed that, and, and I knew that I did, you know, like thinking back on it. I mean, there were so many times where, you know, uh, I know there were connections made within the band that I don't appreciate because I wasn't in, the, uh, in that state of mind, you know yeah. what I mean? I wasn't in the right place. I mean, most of my shit was all anxiety. Yeah, Written, so sure. was mine. I mean, I know towards the end of uh, my living there, I was having anxiety like attacks that were super, super bad. Yeah, I ended yeah, up yeah. having to get on medication for it, and that stuff didn't work at all. In fact, it did the opposite of what it was yeah, supposed yeah. to do. And I, I ended up, you know, once I moved to New York, I realized I just had to change my surroundings. I took that yeah. medicine and threw it out the fucking window and, like, yeah. never looked back, really. 
Because that, that's one of the things, like, because it's so funny, I look back on it, it's like, that's what, you know, my wife had to deal with that shit when she first met me. Yeah. I mean, that was, like, towards, that, yeah, around that time period. It was just, like, it was just so much, and I did, and I don't remember a lot of this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why I'm I might honest. remember too much. But... <laughs> you know, like, and you saying that kind of makes me feel even better about the music that we played now, because it's, like, for the longest time... Like when I, I mean, did, don't get me wrong. I haven't listened to it in a while. It might be terrible. I'm dude, not. <laughs> I, I listened to it the other day, and I, and I would play in a band like that in two seconds. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things, like, it. I didn't have... That's the thing about the artistry fact, or the artistry thing that I keep bringing up, is that I don't... Everyone I surrounded myself with had the intellect and the artistry to hear what I didn't have the capability of hearing at that time. Yeah. So I would, instead of listening to the music like an artist should have, I would compare it to other things, and that would make me think that what we did was shittier or yeah. sucked or yeah, whatever. Sure. But looking back on it, I'm just like, holy fuck, dude. Like, my wife looks at me, you know, and I said that one day. Oh, it's so funny. I played the album. It's on. It's on Spotify. Really? Someday soon stuff is. Yeah. Shit. I got it. Okay. It's on for sale on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote Bullet Boy or Bullet, Magic Bullet yeah, Records Bullet, and asked him. I was like, "Dude, are, are we paid off of our uh, recording debt yet? Because I mean, I'm curious if you're making any money off the record yet. Because yeah. if you are, I'd like to see some uh, those two cent tracks that we're yeah. probably gonna get." It. But uh, I played it. I listened to it, and like I had it on loud enough for my wife to hear it. And it was just like one of those things. I was like, I stood up. I was like, "Fuck, fuck, that was so fucking good." And I walk in the back, and I'm like, Chris, that shit was fucking... She's like, no shit, asshole. You I were remember. just too fucking drunk to fucking realize it. And I'm just like, you're right. I totally... I was in that... I was I was playing music, but I wasn't mentally as much in that world as I, sh- I, I, want, I should have been. I know? mean, I remember seeing you guys right before I joined, when Ronnie was playing guitar for you yeah. guys, and then like... Uh, you know, I was I was working at Albertsons and that fucking uh, ice cream yeah, yeah. thing and uh, <laughs> fucking uh, Albertsons. That shit's yeah. gone. Oh, good. You know that guy? I don't know what happened, but the guy who was a terrible fucking franchise owner of that place. I heard a story later on when I stopped by one of the ladies that worked there. She's like, "Oh yeah, I don't know what happened, but uh, he walked out of here in handcuffs." Oh shit. Right, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so it wouldn't be the first time that happened to somebody I ended up working for in Gainesville. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. But um, I remember seeing you guys and being like blown away, and then like you know, James came by work. He's like, "Hey, that band's looking for a guitar player." And I was like, "Oh shit." Well, yeah. Because when you when you came in, I was just like, "Holy shit!" All right, another fucking guitar player. Somebody's interested. Somebody's willing to put up with some shit. Uh, no, that's awesome, man. That brings up. I, I, I make, that makes me feel uh, a little bit more proud about the music, knowing that you know, like that you guys felt that that you know, especially you know, that you felt that way about. Yeah, it. Yeah, you know, that's, totally. that means a lot to me, and uh, I appreciate that. That's fucking cool as shit. And. Uh, so, so you left Gainesville, you come to New York, you, you bust your ass for a bunch of years, you try a bunch of different things, I'm guessing, different different, different places, I guess you were working. Well, yeah, I mean, it was weird. Uh, I moved up here, that same girlfriend that I moved to uh, to uh, Gainesville with was still up here, and we had this rocky relationship. I had just split up with a girl I'd been dating in Gainesville for a while, who now lives up here, and we're buddies. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, my ex uh, from New York was up here, and we ended up like... Hooking up uh, when 
I was here, I, I had originally come up, I was living with my mom for like six months because I would lost my job, me and my girlfriend had split up, so I moved back to Orlando for like six months, Yeah. Um, right about when 9-11 happened, and uh, I was working construction and just doing that, and um, I was really depressed, you know, I was, I was writing a lot of music actually, I was writing like a lot of country stuff, and uh, yeah. I played I played like one or two shows um, just by myself, I think it was like one, but uh was drinking like a lot because I was just so fucking depressed. Right. I mean, I didn't have a house. I didn't. I couldn't find a fucking job to save my life. Yeah. Uh, my car caught on fire while I was driving it. Uh, oh, shit. All sorts of bad shit just kept following me around. Yeah. So, um, my brother had twins, and uh, well, his wife had twins. But <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I uh, I came up here to see them uh, over that summer of 2002, and uh, I was fooling around with that girl, and I missed my flight home. Yeah, I had a hundred dollars in a duffel bag, and I just decided I needed to make a change, and I, you know, I, I stayed and uh, stayed with her for a little while. It turned out she had a boyfriend, so that didn't work out very well. Yeah, very it long. never does. But um, so <laughs> then I ended up with my friend Jason, who uh, who I went to college with. I ended up crashing with him for a while. Um, I got a job working with my brother at a music uh, promotions place, um, doing radio promo for about a year. Um, that's back in the early 2000s when everything started to fall apart in the music industry which yeah. is good because the music industry is fucking bullshit yeah, yeah. but uh, every every year I'd get a new job at a label or something and then I'd go home for Christmas and they'd be like hey uh, we're not going to reopen uh, when oh, you come shit. back so right. take your severance pay and maybe just have a nice vacation and then come yeah. back and good luck with the rest of your life but um so I was doing that, uh, but I got the job. I was staying with my friend Jason, and uh, James was having a similar issue, and I was like, why don't you move up here, and I'll help you find a job, and we'll move in together. So then he did, and then Kyle did, and then Kyle ended up moving back after a while. Um, Scott moved up. He was living in Connecticut, so Spordon was here. Then he moved in. Um, basically, my house became like a crash pad. Well, actually, I was living with my friend Joey, too, and uh, when I first first got there, I was staying with Joey, and now like my first roommate, my buddy Joey, um, and our and our friend uh, Pete, and now Pete is the new star. He's uh, Detective Sunny Carisi on Law and Order SVU what? now. Yeah, he was my That's first roommate cool when I moved shit. there. He's a great guy, and like me and him got into some shit over those years. That's um, crazy. That's, yeah, that's so cool. it's it's really cool seeing your friends like do cool shit. Like my friend's a fucking TV star. You, you should know? make like, him put a tattoo on him, like allied tattoo somewhere. Like and make him scratch <laughs> his face. So like an allied tattoo is like right there in his. I saw his hand. partner on the show the other day at the restaurant. Oh, I really? Was, and I was like, hey, me and me and fucking <laughs> Pete used to live over there. And fucking, yeah. But, uh, that's awesome. Um. So. Yeah, after, like, because I had had, like, you know, I was going to learn to tattoo in Orlando originally with Scott, but the guy who he learned under, he was going to, like, kind of get me in with him, and then that guy had to skip town over some bootleg flash shit that nobody would ever care about in this day and age, but back then, it was this whole thing with Jerry Rieger, and, uh, yeah, so, um, he split, and Scott was like, man, I just started tattooing, I can't really teach you shit, so I kind of, I went to art school, and I figured I would get, like, a, you know, you know, major illustration or whatever, so, and like get a get a leg up, and, right. and then learn how to tattoo or whatever. And uh, how long was in school? Uh, I was there for uh, just just about two years, maybe a little less. Okay. Um, and then when I moved to Gainesville, I was hanging out at Body Tech, and uh, I wanted to apprentice there, but a few turns of sort of events like kept that from happening. You know, I needed money and I didn't have any, and there was some stuff yeah. happened with you know, but. Uh, and then when I was up here, you know, I kind of just kind of gave up for a while, and then I, I shelved the idea, and then when I was up here, after losing my, like, third or fourth job in the fucking music industry, I was like, you know, maybe this is something I should revisit, you know, like, right. I, I'd, uh, 
been tattooing and like you know uh, Scott Lucas you know I started tattooing over Bite Tech and like yeah. you know I started to see these friends of mine that were like oh, alright you know you guys follow through and like you know Scott White had like you know I, I, had, I remember I had just started tattooing and went back to Orlando and I was like hey Scott I'm tattooing and I was like it's about fucking time you know he's like I was wondering when you finally fucking cut the shit and start you know so um, so that felt good it, was, it felt good I actually uh, two years two years ago I think I went down there and I got to put a tattoo on him which was like really special because he gave me my first real tattoo and like yeah. uh, I've been a really guiding guiding hand through my whole thing whether he knew it or not you know yeah. love that guy so, and, uh, so are there a lot of people over the years like kind of how like I'm expressing to you about yeah, I mean, how, the, the, how they maybe well, don't realize they have this this real true artistic influence on you and that, you know like sure I mean there's a lot of people that maybe don't realize you know but I, again it's like that same thing where it extends into tattooing you know some people that tattoo have nothing to do with fucking punk rock and they're you know they're like yeah totally weird it's a, yeah, you know yeah. weird shitheads or whatever they're in it because they saw a fucking ink master or something but for me and for a lot of people that I'm friends with in tattooing it was, all came from the same shit it's punk rock and skateboarding you know yeah. so it's like you know, that shit, um, just, it's just another link in the chain, and, like, you know, those, those people in tattooing are my friends, and, like, that's how, like, you know, that, that's the crew I roll with, it's the same shit, you know, and it's like, we, you know, like, Scott White, still doing it, Scott Lucas, you know, this killing it, rise above in Orlando, yeah. and, like, I go down there and visit, and it's like, you know, I make all these, you know, all these friends, I, I've made friends with people, like, my friend Dave Woodard, who, uh, works at Saints and Sinners, and, uh, he used to sing for this band, Ario Speed Dealer, Back I in the day, yeah, band. and uh, he's he's like an old Texas punk I really rock like dude. The and name like, of that band. I me like, and him, that's met. one of my favorite names of the band because I liked Ario Speedwagon. Oh, I like Speed. Um, <laughs> I like Speed. But uh, he, uh, my mom did too. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, at the age of sixty-three, my mom admitted in front of me and my wife at her house during Christmas one night. She was like totally fucked up on box wine, and she's like, "Oh my god." My favorite, oh, speed. Oh, I miss speed so much. Like, <laughs> you know that's pretty funny. But she did date bikers, and we had to move yeah, well, yeah. because they were cooking meth in the basement where she I've, lived in Boston. I've so. heard that story a lot. You know, you know that's just like, like other, other friends of mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, but, uh, <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. But, um, you know, with, with, with people like that, like, you know, Eric Carlson is still, you know, like, yeah. there's that, that, that circle is still, you know, very true. Very. A, very much a part of things and it's like you know I fucking um, I forget what I was saying before but uh, oh yeah Dave, I mean Dave I met Dave he's from Texas I met him in Iceland and like we've been yeah. friends like you know it's like you, that network just keeps extending yeah, with tattooing definitely. we tend to travel a little bit more but it's like you know I meet these people in like different countries and shit and we like my friend Nico who works in uh, this shop Blue Arms in, uh, in Oslo Norway he's an amazing guy and like he he had lived in uh, he had lived in um San Diego for a long time. He's like he, but he grew up with Happy Tom from Turbo Negro, okay. and he's like you know he's an old punk dude. That like, must have sucked. No, I mean it's like I, I really <laughs> I wanted to like I the first time I, I went up there. Up with that guy. First time I went. Oh, you know he he has like a very very successful semi serious like it's kind of jokey but it's also like he's like a he's a talk show host. I could see it totally. I, I mean I saw a picture of him on the fucking White House lawn about to in- interview Obama for like his talk show oh, in Norway. Shit. Yeah. He's like That's fucking awesome. the culture over there is just so much more like embracing of art, whether it be punk or whatever. That, it's like and yeah. it's like people crossover like Euroboy is like a really. You're, you're, uh, you just made a big point there. Yeah. About our the U.S. is is how uh, they they definitely it seems as times have progressed, you definitely can tell that it's not really 
uh, artists in, influence because they've taken it out of schools. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't even have it in elementary, middle, or high school anymore. I mean, that's where Especially a lot music of... music and, and all those things that probably saved us that's, in school. That's why Trump's winning the primary. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's, people just don't have fucking, you know, they don't have any outlets. They don't, the educational system got fucked up and, like, people... People don't have any outlets. They end up fucking afraid and, and, and angry. Yeah. And, like, they don't have any way to let it out. Yeah. It's fucking sad. And then, and, then they, and then they let it out in a wacky way. Yeah. It's very true, man. People, it's funny what fear does to people. And, you know, I guess I'm caught. I mean, I'm pseudo-political. I like to fucking wrestle in the mud sometimes on Facebook just to fuck with people because I'm such a, a historic, historical buff. Yeah, and and, and and I just and, like to be right, and so I don't, I and do I don't, <laughs> and, and I'm not a liar, and what I'm saying is fact, because I don't, I will not put anything out there unless I read a peer-reviewed, you know, yeah. part on it, and I know the shit's real. You know, my wife, you know, she's like, you know, you kind of lowering your, you know, self that way. I was like, but you know, that's the kind of shit, you know, like you got people out there that are, are in fear of shit, but they're not taking the time really to figure out for themselves if they should really be in fear or not. They're listening to somebody else to do it. And yeah. as a punk rock kid growing up, I didn't let fucking people tell me no. how things were. I found out for my fucking self, and that's how I made up and my decisions And that's, a, that's a valuable lesson of, of like punk rock, and also of art in general. I feel like that's how making art is, is a way to figure yourself out. Yeah. You know? And like, when you know yourself, you're a lot of you're a lot less afraid of other people, you know? Yeah. And, like... Very true. You know, what, what do you... Like, I, I think... Fuck, I wish I could remember. It's one of my favorite things ever, and every every now and then I dust off my copy and I read it, and uh, I think it's uh, in uh, uh, We Owe You Nothing, that Punk Planet thing, the interview yeah, with yeah. Steve Albini, where he's talking oh, yeah. about, you know... He's like, you know... I, he's talking about being consistent and, like, you know, having values and just being like, you know... I know how I'm going to react to any given situation. Right. The special part of life is to see what's going to pop up. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, like, I know what I'm going to do, but let's see what happens. You know, like, right. you know, and I forget, he says it way more eloquently, but it's worth yeah. reading. It's like the last paragraph of it. It's it sounds fantastic. way smarter than I would ever open up. I, I don't read books. Look mm-hmm. at me. I'm from Florida. I can't read I books. Fucking, I fucking, I have I just time talk. to read books. I just talk. They, I just sound they like got I got pictures in it. I talk about it. Exactly. I, was, I saw somebody's. I saw this thing at Tom's house today, and it was like a, it was like a, a pictured encyclopedia dictionary, you know. And I was like, in my house, it was just the picture encyclopedia. Like it just showed you pictures. There were no fucking words. You know, this is what this is. You know, shit like that. So, how many years in town? Like, how many different? Um, did you work in multiple shops? Yeah, when prior I started. Yeah, where um, you're at now. I was kind of. I was, I was tattooing for a little while, and I got a job. Um, I got a job uh, in New Jersey at this place, Jersey City Tattoo. Okay, I think under, I remember you talking yeah, about that. Yeah, this guy, uh, Adam Patterson, like, what happened was, and it was freakish, because there was a picture still to this day hanging in the back of this guy, Bill, uh, and he looks just like me when I was working there, and it's like, it's really weird, but Bill passed away in a motorcycle accident. He actually, he fell off a motorcycle, and he broke his leg, and I think he was fine, but he died of an embolism. Uh, the next, yeah, like the next day or something. It's really sad. That's a cut one uh, right there. And then uh, they needed somebody, and I just kind of was really green. I'd been tattooing about six months, and uh, Adam was just like, "Well, you're already tattooing, so the damage is done. So I guess, you know, fuck." And, you know, <laughs> and uh, he gave me. He looked through my portfolio, gave me a job. <laughs> I guess the damage is yeah. done. Yeah. He, uh, 
he was really, really hard on me, which I really appreciate. Which, I mean, it's like, uh, did it know, help you a lot? Invaluable, man. Okay. I, I remember it was ah, fucking. I must have been working there two years, and uh, one day he walked past me and he was like, "Hey, that's pretty nice." It's the oh, first wow. compliment he ever gave me in like two, two years. years. I ran home and told my wife. You know, I was like yeah, so yeah, excited. Yeah. You know, it like really meant something. He was always on my ass, and it just like it was always. You know, I knew it was always to make me a better tattooer, and like, yeah. and I always appreciate that. You know, it was like that. What he did for me was like, you know, I mean, he he made sure that I was, you know, I knew how to do everything. I was making needles. I was making ink. I like, you know, he taught me the shit that nobody teaches anybody anymore. You know, and it was right. like he made sure that if I was gonna work for him, I knew how to do all this stuff, and I was no bullshit, and I could, and you, you know, could, and you could be self reliable. Yeah, I could. I knew how to tune my right? machines. I knew how to build machines. I knew how to wind coils. I knew how to do everything. And uh, you know, which he, like, I would imagine is a very fucking dying art. It is. It's a lot of people just buy shit and they just go for it, and they don't they don't know how to you know if their machines aren't running, they fucking just buy a new one. And, like, there's a lot of a lot of lost stuff, you know, and it's like Which that stuff was passed right. down yeah. through apprenticeships, and like a lot of people just don't have apprenticeships anymore, and it's like do, really. Do you, so, are you, do you think maybe with the with I would have this? I I, I don't know if this would be a weird way to call it, but the uber westernization of tattooing. Do you think that has had an effect because tattooing has become so more beyond than what we understood it to be. I don't think it's like younger. westernization. I mean, I mean, I mean like cuz I mean like I mean people the, are willing to or maybe they just don't have the idea of like the the work and the effort and like maybe there were times when when fucking dudes could not buy new machinery and they had to fucking know how to fix their shit. Yeah, I mean that well that's I mean I don't think that's a westernization thing. I think it's like that's like more about like I mean, you see it everywhere. We don't have manufacturing jobs in this country. Nobody right. makes anything with their hands, you know? Nobody, yeah. it's all knowledge work and bullshit or like, you know, people just like pushing emails around, not even pencils anymore. And yeah, like, dumb, you know, dumb buttons. Yeah, it's, and it, it's like, you know, people don't make things, you know? Like, yeah. um, and, and people want everything the easy way. They want to go on the internet and they want to fucking like, you know, that's like, and it's, 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 the internet did a lot of it, and it's like it's it's lazy, it's laziness. It's not it has nothing to do with the West. I mean, the old way was like more of the original, yeah, like Western, like Western you knew you right. knew you pulled yeah. yourself up by your bootstraps. You knew. I, I guess I meant to say modernist. My, yeah, more way, modern, like, like throw away. Yeah, like it's disposable. Less, it's very more. It's, it's more disposable. disposable. Things yeah, are disposable. Thank you, thank you, yeah. you know, back back when you know when Scott was tattooing, when I first got you know tattooed by him, you know, you saved your needle bars. You broke the fucking cluster off. You clean the solder off the needle, you autoclave the bars, and you fucking solder new clusters on them and yeah. fucking use them until they were worn out, you know? Yeah. And then you threw wow. the whole thing in a fucking bag of cement and mixed it up so you didn't have to pay a biohazard company to cart it away. <laughs> oh, no shit. Yeah, you put it in a coffee can and mix up some cement and pour it on top. That's a good way to keep it biohazard free, right? Yeah. That's wild. You want another beer? Sure. We can just let the music play, uh, like I said, natural. All right. I'll be right back. All right. Cool.
See, that's how you do a podcast. You make it natural. You let the air breathe, you know, you let, you let the stuff build up. <laughs> or you make them fucking turn it off and be like, them fuckers are done. But, uh. <laughs> so, how many did you just. How many shots did you work at before you opened Ally? Um, I. Shit, like, probably. I. At the time when I was like, uh. Sorry, the shop no, you're just texted me. Um, and then I only no, no, do what you gotta do. I'm just gonna leave it out here. Yeah, yeah. Just text me back. Um, I worked at multiple shops at the same time. So I was working at, at Jersey City for four years. Um, during that time, I worked at uh, I worked at a place called Thicker Than Water. That's not there anymore. Um, I worked cool at. Where else did I work? I worked with my friend Dave at Ada Swords for like a few months. Um, All in kind of like yeah. Well, that was in the uh, Thicker Than Water was in Manhattan. Okay. Ada Swords was in Brooklyn. So you, so you like did? So you kind of just jumped around? Yeah, I was like boroughs. commuting. I was working my ass off. Like Jersey City was like you know, it's, Christ, dude. wasn't that much of a commute. It was like forty-five minutes door to door. Yeah. Um, then uh, which is so you have to explain that commute. Yeah. New York door to door. Yeah. Florida door to door. Well, I was just on train, so. <laughs> Like yeah, yeah. And then, but also, uh, <laughs> early on, concurrently, I worked at this shop called Powerhouse. It was owned by this woman, Diane Ferris, who actually tattooed the Hot Water Music logo on Chris Waller and those guys. Get she's the a, fuck out. She's a DJ at WFMU, and she's like uh, an old punk lady. And like, nice. Yeah, I worked for her for a couple That's, years. You mean talking about Waller's tramp stamp? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she did that. <laughs> and uh, Only man with the tramp stamp. Yep. I love you, Chris. <laughs> Fucking, uh... Yeah, so and she was in Montclair, so that was two hours. I would take the bus oh, wow. uh, out to Montclair and do that. Um, yeah, I would do that and uh, work at JC. So it was like half the time I was like, you know, commuting two hours. Uh, shit. Uh, then I was uh, after that. Where else did I, I did? Uh, I did. Um, Eight of Swords, and I did Thicker Than Water, and then, um, I know I'm forgetting something, but then, uh, I, my friend Robert Ryan asked me to come work at Electric Tattoo in New Jersey, and, uh, that was a huge deal, because that shop is, like, you know, it's kind of, like, pretty legendary on the East Coast, and those guys have been tattooing for a really, really long time, um, I was working with him and, uh, Mike Schweigert, and, uh, and, uh, Tom Yak, who was actually... He probably would hate it if he heard this, but he doesn't like to talk about it. But he was a guitar player in Dead Guy uh, when they toured with Bloodlet and stuff. What? Yeah, he's he's an amazing tattooer. He did one of my hands. Um, he's so cool. And uh, yeah, so I worked with them and, and Rich Heller, um, the four of us, or four of them and me, um, worked in their old location for. A, I worked there for a year, two days a week, and that commute it was it was in Asbury Park. So I would take, I would get up at like seven in the morning. I take the L train to yeah. uh, Penn Station. I take uh, I take the L train to the A the ACE to Penn Station. Then I hop on the New Jersey Transit. I like take that uh, into Long Branch, transfer that train, and then go to Asbury Park. So it was about three hours door to door on oh, wow. trains every day. So I spent six hours a day on on public transit, getting to and from work. And I did that two days a week for a year. I did the math on it, and I think I was. Uh, I was on the train uh, an entire month of the year. Fuck. If you if you cobble yeah. all the hours together, it was a, it was a month. So then, um, when did you decide to open your own place? Uh, 
Uh, at that point, I was working at a, a Three Kings, and uh, I had been there for about three years. Um, first year was really good, and then, uh, you know, things changed. Things changed, um, right? You know, business, business, yeah, I businesses get you. changed. Yeah, yeah. Friendships uh, change. Yeah. Things happen, and uh, Benny and I. Oh, that's the other place I worked. I worked at True Blue in Queens, and that's where I met Benny. And uh, Benny and I had worked together for about a year over there. And that was like a really busy street shop and really fun. And that's where like a lot of people had come through that shop. Like Jen Lee, who works in Tattoo City with Fred Hardy, she worked there. Um, right. It's owned by uh, Vinny Signorelli, who's the drummer for Unsane. He's a fucking Jeez, awesome guy. There's a lot of fucking dudes on that shops. And yeah, shit. and a lot of crossover and punk shit. stuff. Yeah, you know? it's crazy. But um, and I didn't Vinny's realize like, so much. Like, yeah, Vinny's a great guy, and like you know, the, he's got a lot of really cool connections. And that place has had a lot of great people, like Kelly Krantz, and you know, roll through it. Um, so I worked there for a year with Benny, and uh, me, me and him became friends, and we stayed in touch. You know, after I left, I went to Three Kings. We would still, you know, he'd call me all the time. We'd just yeah. chit-chat. And I was at a wedding one day, and he called me, and he was like, hey, man, you know, he was having his own issues where he worked, and he was like, I think uh, it's time to open up, you know, and I wanted to see what you think about it. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, fuck, well, you know, I was at this wedding in, like, Martha's Vineyard, and I was just like, got the voicemail, and I was like, fuck. I was, like, kind of excited and puzzled, and I didn't know, you know, it came at the right time. Yeah. Um, like I was telling you before, like uh, we we started scouting locations and like we kind of got tied up with some people who were kind of jerking our chain for a really long time. And, right. But the place we got was our first place we looked at, and our landlord, you know, Benny had rented apartments for him for years, and he was really cool. So he just, you know, after all the bullshit we went through, it was like the last ditch, and the guy's just like, hey, that place just came open, and uh, yeah. here's keys, draft up some paperwork so you know that I'm not gonna fuck you, and I'm gonna, you know, have. Uh, my lawyer draft up some stuff, but in the meantime, start work. And uh, yeah. we got in there, and we just started like doing demo and cleaning stuff out like that the next day. And we were in there 12 hours a day for two months and six days, building everything out. Um, and then right at that point, I had booked the Iceland convention, which I try to do every year. And I, I ended up just like going to Oslo and uh, Iceland. So shop kind of soft opened without me. And then I got back, and it was, everything yeah. was rolling. And uh, you know, we got a really rad crew. We got we had Ian. Uh, Ian Weidrich's been working with us since we started. Um, and uh, Sheila, who also works for Robert and, and, and uh, Mike and Tom at uh, Electric, she and I became friends because in the meantime, while I was uh, building the place, I had left Three Kings and I was working uh, with my friend Ashley Love. I had left Adorn and she had a private studio, so I was working out of there with her. Cool. And, um, uh, and I was doing guest spots at Jersey City again, just like, yeah. you know, hanging out with Adam. And, and I met Sheila was doing the same because she was in between shops and looking for a place to work in the city. And I kind of let her in on, you know, we met through a friend. And it's a J baseline. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a Michael Anthony baseline. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah, right. But uh, so <laughs> she's now worth us two days a week. And uh, it's like I got fired. <laughs> Jack Daniels base, man. God damn it. But, uh, I'm going to have my son take your place. You're an asshole. <laughs> I love Van Halen so much. Yeah, right? I have two Van Halen tattoos. Do you really? Yeah. That's fucking sweet, man. But, I uh, wanted... To, you don't have, like, the angel smoking the cigarette. No, dude. but I've done that one. I did that as a portrait on my friend uh, Matt, who's That's got a good lot of one. I think that'd be the one I'd get, because I was like... I did I that right next that to tour. Rodney Dangerfield. On oh, his fuck. Yeah, better. So you get... You're doing Three Kings. Yeah, you guys then, are getting this shit ready. And then, uh, you know, I met Sheila, and then she came on later. Um, Ian was uh, referred to us by Ashley, and uh, he's just, like, a great fit. And uh, 
So Benny and I built the place out and uh, built most of it ourselves, framed everything, hung all the drywall, did all the fucking Were renovations you, um, and stuff. Was this something that you had to um, like go and get a, a business loan and do all this kind of stuff? Or did you um, guys try... Like, it was expensive. I had had some money socked away. Okay, and so Benny also had... Benny's like were... incredibly fiscally responsible, so he had like some money socked away. But Smart it ended idea. up costing Smart a lot idea. more than I expected. So I borrowed some money from... from uh, from uh, family, family, and uh, cool, and uh, I maxed out every credit card I had. And uh, I mean, just as long as you're not getting fucked on interest. You yeah, know? Like, I'm that's trying to thing. pay those off first, and yeah, you know, but because <laughs> the family helps, cool when it can happen. You know, like yeah, I mean that has no interest on it, so it's good. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so we we did that, yeah. and Plus like I'm you know, pretty sure the big, I, I I have a feeling you're. Uh, I, I, I'm going to call it, and you're going to hate it, because I'm so intuitive, and I call myself on it, but you'll, you'll probably, within a couple years, maybe have two or three shops in the area, if you really want uh, to. I doubt it. Uh, uh, you, you're, I think you'll get big. Uh, that's what I'm, I don't want that to happen, though. I no? mean, that's, that's what kind of happened to my last, the last place I worked. They got too big, you know? kind of fell in on itself, and I just can't, like... I, I see the value in having something be, like, small and special. Okay, so you, you, know? you, you like the, uh, okay, you old school, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, exactly. I think there's, uh, just there's something to be said. Fries sometimes, sometimes things like that can run away from call. you, and you lose touch with the people who work for you, and, like, you can, you know. That would be my ignorant assumption as of being someone not working in a yeah, tattoo for, business. For, for sure. us, it's like, you know, I think with any business, you can you can make it big, but the more the bigger you get, the more control you relinquish, and the more you can't really be a part of everything all the time. Company. You know? Like you want to be right, so I think it's. I would rather have a connection with everybody I work for and like make sure everybody's happy or what that works for me, rather. Yeah, you know, or you know, I'm working for them too. I'm trying to, you know, keep, keep everything keep smooth. them working and doing what, what you got to do. But uh, yeah, I think there's something to be said for just maintaining a small thing where you're in touch with your business, you know, and like you know. So I think it's more of a punk, you yeah. know, thing where you know, keep it small and like I'm not trying to be a millionaire. Yeah, no, no. You know? I'm just, just trying, trying to do your shit and make yeah, a living, man. I'm trying to make a living. I'm trying to have a little fun. I'm trying to do some traveling. You know, I want to. You know, I'd like to have a little bit of money saved and you know be secure for later on in life. You know, be yeah. able to take care of my wife. And you know, I don't. On top of that, you know, I don't need. I don't need anything fancy. And your wife's name is Nicole. Nicole, you just got a shout out on the podcast. <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, we've been married, I think, four years now. Okay. Um, we've been together for uh, ten. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And that's and that's just been uh, I'm imagining for the since I'm gonna make an assumption by the length of it. Yeah. Every year it's just it's just getting better and better as time goes. I would say so. Yeah. Me and my wife are the same way. Yeah. That's cool to know. It's cool to know. Yeah. Uh, what as someone who is interracial, what would you say? What would you say? Probably your best. Probably communication is probably the strongest uh, strong point. I would. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a process, but yeah, communicating is uh, no matter what, no matter if you're angry or not. You oh, just especially if you're talk. angry. Yeah, you just gotta. Because otherwise that shit just out. lasts, you know. Yeah. Still, I, I, still I saw happens. a lot of divorces in my family because of that kind of shit. Like motherfuckers not talking. Yeah. When they should have been talking. I'm guilty of it. Yeah, I'm no, super me guilty too, of man. It. I mean, like full on, like it, it's. I'm 44 and I'm just learning how to uh, be a responsible man and have enough respect for my wife to uh, to, to uh, express myself in a way 
to where she understands where I'm coming from without being an asshole to her. Yeah. And uh, and and I found for me that's where I get way more respect from her. You know, yeah. which is the craziest part because like I grew up in a misogynist family. You know, like I I, I mean I'm. I'm, I'm sure I got stench of misogyny still stuck to me just because. And, and it's one of those things that I, I definitely didn't want because I grew up around it and I never really liked how the women in my house felt when, when they were treated that way. So it's like I definitely never wanted my wife to feel that way. So that's definitely something hard to do. And you're right, communication, respect, and uh, listening. And uh, I think not always having to be right. Yeah, is is very important. I think to I love being right too, which is uh, it's tough. It's tough sometimes. Yeah, no shit, right? But man, um, I'm so glad we got to do this. This isn't a one-time thing. My, this is a. I've got 31 episodes out now. After this, Damn, that's a lot. After these, uh, I'll be getting close to 40. Uh, I'm working on turning it into a TV show of some sort for YouTube. Cool. So I'm really trying to uh, hopefully use these, and I'm going to set up a couple more speaking tours in between my work breaks, hitting different parts of the U.S. and hitting Gainesville people, nice. and doing the same thing, and doing it by driving around the country and just you know hitting it up. So um, that's my idea with it. Um, I'm so glad you fucking took the time out of your. Bu- I know you're busy. You know you got your you're married. You got a business. Uh, you know, and you're doing your mason work, I see. Good yes, for you. Yes, I am. I, I wasn't allowed it because my grandfather, but whatever. He was one, but I did I, I, my, my dad didn't want me to oh, yeah. fuck around with that shit for some reason. I was like, I'm interested. But no. It's never too late. I know, I know. I just have to get to that point. I mean, I don't know how they feel it about traveling artists. took me a long time to get to that point, too. Artists they want in there, you know, like people who aren't really set in their community. I don't know how. Uh, it's it's alright, you know, I haven't been to Lodge in a while. It's the length of the, you know, I, I can't, I can't uh, you know, it's, it's it's about what you can manage when you can manage it, you know. Yeah, I yeah. still try to do, you know, I still yeah, try definitely. to implement those lessons in my life. I yeah, just no, try definitely. to do good in the world when I'm out there, you know. Yeah. Enlightenment is the part that, that we're talking about for sure. Um, man, again, thank you so much, man. Dude, it was a pleasure. I, I, it was super fun to catch I'm up. I'm so and... fucking insanely jello proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, man. About your fucking biz, man. It's it's amazing. Not saying that I never thought you would do it. It's just fucking cool that you're doing it. You know, just that alone is the fucking shit. And, uh, and I want to just take a second and, um, again, say thank you for everything, um, Thanks for being my friend when you were my friend in Gainesville. And Thanks for still bro- being my friend. Yeah, still. I mean, you're my brother now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I always appreciated you. Um, I never not thought about you over the years. It's impossible. I mean, it's so funny I say that to everybody, but I have hyper anxiety, ADHD, so I have no choice but to think about everybody <laughs> all same the time here. anyways. Yeah. You know, all same. of you are always in my mind and on my heart. And... Uh, and uh, I appreciate you for you. I appreciate you for your artistry, and uh, you're never backing down away from it, and, and uh, going at it full force, and uh, being enlightened about it as well, which is kind of cool. It's nice to see that, and uh, I'm proud of your marriage as well. That's amazing. I'm glad that's that's going. I'm glad you found somebody to to put that place in your heart where you needed it. Put you up know? with me. Yeah, me too. And. Um, is there anything uh, you got coming up that you would like to push? This um, is for you, so you push what you want to push. Well, well yeah, just, 
I'm, I'll probably be doing a little traveling in the summer. You know, I'm going to go to Oslo. I'm going to, again, I think I'm going to, well, they don't know that yet, but by the time this comes out, I was going to surprise yeah. my friends out there. And then <laughs> going to Reykjavik again. Um, in October, we're going to be doing, we do a lot of benefits. Um, and uh, we like to raise, you know, a lot of people do Friday the 13th or whatever, you know, totally. like cheap tattoo things. So I think that's kind of kind of cheapens tattooing a little bit. It's a little silly. I agree with you. Um, what we like to Hence do at our shop game, is we have like uh, we have fundraisers where we do tattoos for you know decent prices, but they, we we have a bunch of tattooers who volunteer their time from other shops to come through, and we donate 100% of the proceeds. Um, we were doing uh, last year uh, with my friend Ashley. We did one for Take Back the Night and for oh, wow. some domestic violence charities. That's uh, we're going to do that again in October, and uh, we're also going to do another one um, for. Uh, uh, animals, <laughs> local animals. We got a lot of uh, little strays around here. I built uh, yeah. the neighbors a little uh, house for the stray cats Did in, the, really? in the tow yard, so the, cool. they would have somewhere to go in the winter. And like, that's amazing. There's some yeah, other places cool here that do uh, a street cats, and some other places that do that stuff. So we're gonna raise some money for some animal charities. We're, um, I think we're gonna have uh, Mike. Uh, I'm not really sure. Our, our friend Bryce is tight with Mike, who owns Little Bub, and like, there's gonna be some involvement there, maybe. Okay. Um, so, and we're, we might have like, you know, uh, Brooklyn Bully um, Rescue and some cat stuff. So, we're just gonna raise a bunch of money for some local animal charities, and uh, right. so, you know, just trying to do that, give back a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm uh, again, fucking so proud of you. Thanks, man. Uh, again. Uh, Flatter that you gave me the chance to sit down with you and do this. It really means a lot to me. And if anybody feels like following me on Instagram, it's uh, Andy J Perez. Please, yeah, no, and every, then, uh, everything that you want to put out there. I'm, I'm also a photographer, and I have been for a while, and okay. I'm getting back into that a little bit. I have another uh, Instagram on there. It's just Repeat the Ending. I named it after a Chavez song. Okay, but it's uh, on there. I got a, I got a Polaroid of you. I'll, I'll uh, it's been sitting somewhere. That's, uh, I took a series of Polaroids. I've been doing this stuff for about 15 years, but yeah. I never really did anything with it until now and I've gotten kind of back into it full force so I'm going to be doing some zines pretty soon and like okay. you know um, well do, do me a huge day. favor when you do that stuff send it to me I'll, we'll I'll, promote it, I'll promote all of it on my site cool uh, only thing I ask is the next time I come up here you give me a tattoo sure we'll get something done you got it yeah it's awesome a Andy thank you uh, all of you out there you know how to get a hold of me uh, you can get to me at apowerwithpops.com. I'm on Pinterest, Tumblr, Etsy. That's where I sell my pubic hair and plastic bags. It's like, you know, it's old punk stuff. Um, no, I don't. I sell my wife's dirty underwear on there. It's <laughs> a big Japanese. market for that. Yeah, it's true. She's Japanese. She's like, they love that shit. It's true. So, uh, also, you can catch me on Snapchat. I mean, Snapchat. Uh, I'm on Periscope sometimes. Uh, I tried to get people to follow, like, nobody followed me in New York today. I thought it'd be kind of funny, but not a motherfucker checked on. But uh, I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, please all of you take care of each other. Uh, we're getting ready for the weekend. Watch out for one another. Uh, if you're going to drink, get a ride. Uh, watch out for your motorcyclist out there as well. I see a lot of them up here in New York. You guys be careful. Bicycles uh, too. Bicycles as well, yes. Thank you. And uh, I think that's about it, man. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of this bar? Uh, this is Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. Okay, and this is in what part of Brooklyn? Bushwick. Okay, we are in Bushwick, Brooklyn at Alaska, which I will have to see, say, being from Gainesville. I got your idea about the thing, but it is a little bit fancier because I love the fucking...
wall stuff. I mean, it's, it's more like uh, if you mix. Go to the bathroom, it'll knock it down a peg or Okay, so more yeah. CBGB in the bathroom? Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Great. But thank you for bringing me here. This has been totally. a great time. And again, you folks, watch out for one another. Look out for Andy Perez and Ally Tattoo. Look out for all the good things they're doing here in the local area for animals. Uh, Andy, like I said, send your stuff down. When you set the stuff up, I'll advertise it on my website and on my Facebook page for you as well. And, uh, you know, press the word out and let's, uh, let's show everybody how we know how to support one another. Uh, I thank you again. I love you. Love you too, buddy. And uh, you guys, I love you. You all have a great night. This is Pops from A Power of Pops. Peace.